I am not to blame for what is about to happen here. Vince, this rests upon your shoulders because you did not live up to your end of the agreement. And take the Lord of Darkness as your master and your spouse. Hell no, she's not. And allow her to bear your offspring. You may now kiss your bride. Oh, for God's sake. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode in the, of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. This is episode nine, and we're going to do WWF Monday Night Raw from April 26, 1999. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit different. We're, we're still in like the formative stage of this podcast, so we're gonna try something new and different. <laughs> yeah, basically, you know, we want to branch out just a little bit beyond just uh, movies and regular TV shows. So now we're gonna try <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> People turning it off now. <laughs> I don't know. I think. Uh, I think more people would be into a Raw from 1999 than you would think. Yeah, the IWC, <laughs> definitely. Uh, this is the era that Raw, or that wrestling in general, was outdrawing football on Monday nights, outdrawing virtually everything else on television. When your product's hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we picked this one... Uh, basically, you know, for the last segment, which is great, and I've seen, <laughs> yeah. and I've watched several times <laughs> over the course of my life. Um, but we'll get to that. Uh, this is the heyday of pro wrestling in America, the late '90s. Oh yeah. Um, seems like everyone in school was talking about wrestling, <laughs> even like popular girls. I remember. Oh yeah. I mean, it was strange. Being like kind of a Slash loser, yeah. <laughs> being kind of a loser nerd who like watched <laughs> wrestling, you know, since I was a little kid, uh, starting in like that 89, 90 era and, you know, going all the way up through this era. Although both of us, I think, said that we, st- <laughs> you know, jumped out of wrestling not that long after uh, April of 99. Yeah, I was on my way out shortly after this, Although, yeah. which I guess... I only really started watching it regularly in, I guess, 98, 97. When was that Austin-Michaels WrestleMania match? I think that was early 98. Yeah, so I had I watched a little bit in, like, 97, but I wasn't, like, a regular viewer until 98. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and I don't really, there was no reason really why I stopped watching it that I can remember. It just kind of was one of those things, you know. The storylines got stale. Well, I do think like uh, Steve Austin was out for a while and this was before I was, you know, savvy to the internet. So I didn't, in those days when someone disappeared, you kind of didn't know if they were ever coming back or when they were coming back, they didn't really tell you very much. Yeah. Did they address it? Like, I I don't I mean, there was the one where he got hit by the car. I don't know if that was that time. It might've been. Cause that did used to like annoy me when, when a character would, would be, you know, injured in real life and would just be gone. But they, I, I like when they do some bogus thing on screen. To make it seem somewhat explained that yeah, he's and I, gone. I, I want to be clear. I mean, I don't think that him not being on the show was the only reason I stopped. It just kind of no. got busy. Yeah, doing other stuff. Kind of just faded out. I don't know if it was like a grad. I don't even remember if it was like gradual. Like I would, I missed an episode, then I'd watch it, then it, maybe I missed another two, and then I'd watch it. Yeah, I don't, or I just stopped abruptly. I, I really don't remember. I have no recollection of that. Well, and plus, just being like so inundated with <laughs> wrestling programs for that amount of time, like having obviously the Monday Night Wars between WCW and uh, WWF, but also just the fact that we talk about sometimes where it's like you had Raw and Nitro, then they they launched SmackDown on Thursday nights. It's well, WCW like, did Thunder yeah, first right, okay. as a regular show. Yeah, and then there was Sunday Night Heat. It's just like, at one point, there was so much wrestling on. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely... I And yeah, I do think the overexposure was definitely played a part in losing interest. Um, but anyway, we're going to talk about one specific episode <laughs> that we liked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, in a lot of ways... Um, I mean, you could probably say this about any episode from like '98 or '99, but it, it it the episode itself kind of encompasses a lot of what was great about that era, what was bad, <laughs> yeah, and what also you know led to I think a burnout in the culture. You know, I think you know at this point, you know, 16 years later, you know, wrestling is significantly less watched um certain aspects of it probably are bigger than ever but as far as like loyal viewership monday nights way down Mm -hmm. um you know and you'll have people argue as to you know what some of the circumstances beyond their control might be you know way more options hulu youtube people like you know stuff like that but quality of the program well that would be something that would be their control (laughs) (laughs) um all right so let's just jump into it this is the night after the backlash 1999 pay-per-view um in which steve austin retains the wwf championship against the rock uh some of you may know him from his movie work uh including the Tooth the Fairy. Fast and the Furious movies. G.I. <laughs> Joe. Um, so we see some highlights from that, and the show ends with a cliffhanger as the daughter of the owner of the WWF, <laughs> Stephanie McMahon, uh, is kidnapped by The Undertaker. Uh, she gets into the back of a limousine <laughs> thinking it's just the regular limousine to leave the arena. Uh, she's by herself. Uh, the partition is lowered and we see that The Undertaker is driving and he utters the phrase, where to, Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> and the pay-per-view goes off the Believable air. scene. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, that kind of theatrics is what, you know, makes wrestling fun. Uh <laughs> I mean, we would not be the first people to point out, you know, like if this was real life, why wouldn't you call the police? <laughs> well, they address it. Don't worry. Um, so the show itself opens with uh, Vince McMahon, the owner, Stephanie's father, and uh, his two corporate stooges, Pat Patterson <laughs> and Gerald Briscoe, arriving at the Legends. arena. 
Um, I don't think we really get much there. We kind of, it's just, no, we, we established that they've yeah. arrived and then we head into the intro, right? the music and the whatnot to start the show. And their like backstage presence is a recurring thing throughout the Oh episode. yeah, we'll get into yeah. that. Lots of, lots and lots of backstage stuff. Tons of it. Um, if you were comparing it to an episode of Raw from... 2015 that would be one thing that would definitely jump out there's <laughs> yeah. very little backstage stuff in and, and like well, yeah. you might be wondering we both said that we stopped watching wrestling <laughs> well guess what <laughs> back in unfortunately back in although it's unclear why but <laughs> boredom <laughs> just for this podcast actually yeah searching for the next great moments in the history of forever <laughs> Uh, no, I meant just this episode, just oh, yeah. just to compare, you know, the modern product with <laughs> yeah, yeah. that of 1999. Um, one thing that jumps out, you know, they pan across this crowd in Hartford, just a million signs, <laughs> yeah. lots of great signs. Uh, People are really into it, man. A ton of pyro exploding to start the show. Just a huge bombastic production yeah it's quite the array of of signs too i mean you have your clever funny signs like x-pac equals piss break or whatever (laughs) but then it's like a a lot of signs are just like travis with an arrow pointing down to the oh yeah they want to let the people at home know where they're at really putting themselves over (laughs) and then it's like a lot like sable 420 (laughs) or like sable 469 (laughs) yeah um the rocks music then hits crowd excitedly pops which is confusing because yeah apparently he was a heel at the time right but Which we were pretty pointing popular. out that this was kind of like his transition. Right, and we'll get to that. Um, yeah. We get Jim Ross and Jim Cornette. James E. Cornette on the commentary. <laughs> My favorite commentary team. <laughs> <laughs> we It's unexplained really where Jerry La- Jerry the King Lawler is the usual partner of Jim Ross. Because from the clips from the pay-per-view, he was one of the voices. So he was there the previous night, but now gone. Um, one sign that jumped out to me, there was a sign that just seemed to be like a drawing of a butt. (laughs) (laughs) Unexplained. (laughs) An out of context butt (laughs) sign. Uh, I think the corporation then interrupts The Rock. He's giving like a generic promo, kind of trying to save face after his loss. Uh, still pretty over with the crowd. The loss didn't seem to affect his popularity. Yeah, I don't really remember what was going on exactly at the time, but it's from what I was gathering, uh, Shane kind of took over the corporation and Vince wasn't really... Yeah, Vince, I think, was too preoccupied with what was going on with The Undertaker. Um, yeah. He had been kind of having this like back and forth with the Undertaker, which culminated in Stif- Stephanie being kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. um, so Shane is running the corporation, which now seems to include uh, Triple H, China, uh, the Mean Street Posse, <laughs> Test, Big Boss Man. Um, they hit the ring. Uh and now we're going to have Rock's full transition over to being a good guy uh, as the corporation fires him. I, I, I thought it was funny that like when the corporation goes to attack him, uh, you know, he punches Triple H, but then <laughs> oh, yeah. punches China, yeah. a woman. And that is like... That moment seems to seal his fate as a good guy. But, yeah, <laughs> that is the and baby also, face. Turn. By the way, the, the commentator's leaping to his defense. <laughs> she wants to act like a man. She's going to get treated like a man. It's just like, which is a know, fair point. Not something that would probably fly in today's audiences. No. Um, so we have a couple of matches teased for later in the night. Um, the Rock versus Shane McMahon. 
gets <laughs> be, gets determined after that uh, interaction. Uh, for those of you not familiar, uh, Shane is Vince's son and Stephanie's brother. Um, Triple H versus Billy Gunn, former Degeneration X stablemates. Yeah. Uh, now turned enemy since Triple H has joined the corporation. Now a corporate stooge. <laughs> and uh, Mankind and the Big Show versus Test and Big Boss Man. Not really yeah. a, uh, <laughs> not really one that jumps out at you. But one thing is like the corporation is just like involved in every segment seemingly for a big portion of the well, show. Well, it seems like every segment is people who were recently in or <laughs> like kicked out of the corporation. Yeah, and well, the the uh lineup of the corporation will continue to shuffle throughout the night even. Yeah. Um yeah, that's like one of the things again contrasting with today's product. It's like the amount of character changes. I mean, we were seeing a ton just in one night. I mean, seemingly I mean, we've gone like a whole year of watching again, and <laughs> it almost never happens now. Um, yeah, that's true. So we go to another backstage uh, segment with Vince and his stooges. Uh, Pat Patterson suggests calling the cops. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like that scene in Fargo. Yeah, where Vince <laughs> is like, "We're gonna do it his way." Yeah, yeah. Uh, no cops. He was very clear about that. <laughs> So we're establishing, you know, in this kayfabe universe that we have to just play along with the characters. We, we're we not bringing in outside real-life forces like the police or anything like that. Which I did point out while we were watching it. I mean, a lot can be said about, like, Vince's over-the-top, crazy, antic, like, you're fired, like, all that stuff. But I, I was saying last night, it's like, when you sit him next to those other two idiots and it's like... He really is like a decent actor. Like No, Vince, Shane, and Stephanie are all great yeah, at yeah. the art of pro wrestling. Right. And not necessarily having matches, although they are actually all pretty good at having matches. Yeah. But I mean like the performance art of professional yeah, yeah, wrestling, yeah. they completely excel. They're all great characters. Stephanie at this point is only like nineteen. But like Vince is really selling like the, you know, worried like anxious like it's it's playing like pretty well and then you have these other two guys just being like oh what are we gonna what are we gonna do up all night (laughs) just Just saying like random things uh then we get a a a commercial for the encore presentation of last night's backlash pay-per-view and then immediately (laughs) another backstage segment with vince and the stooges this time jerry briscoe just delivering horrific (laughs) Un, just terrible lines. Yeah. I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, then we get the corporation backstage with Shane psyching up for his big match. So I mean, <laughs> in the first like t- you know fifteen minutes of the show being on the air, we've had you know three or four backstage segments, um, and one talking segment. We finally jump in to our first match, which <laughs> is the Brood. Versus the tag team champions X Pac and Kane. It's a non-title match. Um, one thing that I noticed here, and that I would continue to notice throughout the show, is that the crowd stands in anticipation for everyone that comes out. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, each wrestler is over to different degrees. It's not like everyone gets the same kind of response necessarily, but there's definitely interest and excitement. Anytime someone's music hits, there's an atmosphere in the audience that is missing, I think, from today's WWE, as it's now called. (laughs) Which involves, you know, the crowd sleeping for most of the show. (laughs) So the Brood is like a vampire group. (laughs) Really ahead of the times. Yeah. Really before the whole vampire craze of 2008 through 2010. (laughs) Yeah, I think this was like maybe getting towards the end of their whole. I mean, we see a, a an attempted quote unquote bloodbath on Kane. I know they were doing that for a while, where you know the well, lights at one would point, go. I think the brood was in the ministry. Well, they just meant they mentioned in this that they had broken out of it recently. 
And I know they were doing like that bloodbath stuff before they joined the ministry. Yeah, I mean, Edge, and to a lesser extent, Christian would go on to bigger and better things. Gangrel, unfortunately. Gangrel, the leader of the brood. Just kind of unfortunately saddled with that vampire they, gimmick. Yeah, they decided uh, we don't really see a vampire as our world heavyweight champion. <laughs> Plus, I think uh, anytime he was given an opportunity to speak on microphone, uh, his voice really didn't match. I don't even remember. Yeah, it was uh, kept pretty limited, but he sounded kind of like a southern doofus. <laughs> and it really didn't go along with like... Soon to a uh, tag team with Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kane and X-Pac get the win. Lights go out. Uh, bloodbath for Kane. Lights come back on. Kane's confused. Choke slams X-Pac. <laughs> this, for f- some unknown reason, would be a storyline that would go throughout the episode. Um, Although, to be fair, I think, like storylines that go on throughout the episode are kind of what made these episodes of raw like more yeah. interesting yeah um this particular one you know kind of was overshadowed by the stuff going on with the stephanie mcmahon kidnapping yeah. we and have also a rich <laughs> the, the daughter rock. of the company owner has been kidnapped by one of the employees <laughs> a satanic cult leader <laughs> Who, for some reason, is a somehow professional wrestler. The, <laughs> somehow passed the bath- background check. Um, okay, so now we see The Rock backstage uh, kind of being antsy. Then we cut to McMahon and company again backstage. Uh, we return from a commercial break to show The Undertaker and Vince's phone conversation. Um the Undertaker says to Vince McMahon, she's fine, Vince. She's real fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems that the whole kidnapping plot is for control of the WWF. Uh, he has to like sign over the company to him or something. Yeah. It's kind of unclear, but he has to deliver these papers to him. Uh, the Undertaker refers to... Again, if this, you know... Even if he didn't want to get the cops directly involved with the exchange, the ransom, whatever. I mean, eventually, how is this signing over to the company going to hold up in court? They have clear blackmail on TV. (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. Uh, The Undertaker refers to himself as Vince's daughter's soulmate (laughs) at one point. So that's kind of a little teaser for uh, what's to come later in the night. Um, One thing I was wondering is why is the phone backstage hooked up already so that we can hear both ends of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And can Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe hear both ends because they're sitting in the room and they kind of act like they can't. They were no-selling it. <laughs> kind of a weird setup there. Yeah. Um, Undertaker makes it clear that he wants Steve Austin to deliver the documents, but he doesn't make clear why. <laughs> yeah. Which is a good segue because then Austin's music hits and he uh, goes to the ring. Michael Cole, who Huge would pop. later become the head commentator, play-by-play guy, is in the ring waiting to do an interview. Stone Cold throws him out of the ring, not physically, <laughs> but tells him to get out. Kind of a weird time period for Stone Cold, in my opinion. Uh, his most over-popular year was obviously 98. Um, we're well into 99 now. Um, he's been the champion and lost the title a couple of times. Um, he's wearing a shirt that says Stone Cold's Gym <laughs> with a picture of like a snake or something biting a dumbbell. The Texas rattlesnake. And he's got his smoking skull belt, uh, championship belt. Um, I would say that Stone Cold is still pretty popular at this point, but yeah. I definitely noticed that it wasn't as, at, at least in this particular segment, it wasn't as crazy as other times. Yeah. I think, you know, there was some overexpo- uh, overexposure going on, which, I mean, is understandable. I mean, he was the top baby face and the most popular ever. guy <laughs> ever in wrestling. Um Vince comes out to the ring. 
Vince asking for Steve's help. Steve makes him say, Vince McMahon needs Stone Cold Steve Austin, which I guess is a, you know, a big moment considering the history that these two have had over the past, you know, year and a half to two years. The biggest rivalry in the history of pro wrestling. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing that stands out is like all these promos, you know, that they're coming out and cutting. It's like the crowd very engaged, <laughs> like, and just like the idea that like this, there's a wrestling show going on with matches, but these storylines, especially the McMahon, Stone Cold, Undertaker storyline, just in this one episode, plays out throughout the episode, which is. Definitely, I don't think we're used to a narrative like that in the current product, really. like, I it, mean, they'll come out and say, hey, we're going to have a four-on-four match <laughs> as the main event tonight uh, every episode. <laughs> um, one thing that jumped out to me was a sign in the audience that said, Joe is gay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Really just outing Joe there. Um, so the segment doesn't go well for Vince, and Stone Cold refuses to help. Um, some more clips of, uh, backlash last night, followed by some more backstage segments with Vince and the Stooges. I mean, at this point, they are really developing a story backstage, not in front of the live audience, which is something that's a lot different from today's product. Um, next we have one of the, one of everyone's favorite performers of the attitude era val venus coming to the ring (laughs) male porn star val venus yeah i mean you know porn star by day moonlighting by pro wrestler yeah i mean both require you to be in you know good physical shape (laughs) yeah i mean his gimmick basically was that he had a big penis (laughs) the big valboski yeah as it was called um he takes on D'Lo Brown. We get a clip of Sunday Night Heat <laughs> with... It was kind of confusing what that clip even was. I mean, was Val Venus having a match against a woman? I I don't even know. Well, that is one thing. Uh, seemingly, the matches don't really matter. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like... I know... I, I don't... I know you probably have this... Or planning on addressing this, but I know at one point we pointed out in the tag team match... <laughs> That the legal man doesn't isn't even the one that finishes the match, uh, with no like it's not like the commentators are like no what happens sometimes there is no match yeah yes yeah yes <laughs> uh, D'Lo Brown and Val have a quick match. All the matches are pretty fast. Um, not a lot of in ring psychology uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not a lot of like, let's work a body part, let's get some heat on the heel, let's have the baby face make a comeback. Nothing like that. A lot of like, you do your moves, I'll do mine. You do your moves, well, I'll do mine. Well, who was the heel and the baby face in this match? I think D'Lo is the heel, but it's unclear. Yeah. I don't remember D'Lo ever not being heel, so. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of a popular heel sometimes. This doesn't seem to be one of those times. And he's with accompanied by Ivory, uh, kind of one of the forgotten women of the attitude era i guess and val venus is kind of wrapped up in this storyline with this monster (laughs) (laughs) nicole bass uh of howard stern show fame uh she seems to be infatuated with val uh she was involved in that clip from sunday night heat that i didn't really understand um she comes out to the ring causes a distraction d-lo gets the win uh, the first hour or so that we're into the show now at this point is pretty short on actual wrestling. Uh, a lot of talking. That's true. Um, during that match, uh, Jim Cornette takes a shot at Sable, and I was wondering, was that a shoot? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I think remember. by what the time '99 happened, I think she was still technically with the company, but maybe. He said something about her going around Hollywood. Remember, he mis- <laughs> oh, yeah. mis- like purposefully mi- mispronounced Francis Ford Coppola's name. <laughs> yeah, which I was like, uh, I kind of thought that that was like kind of a a real shot at her because I don't think they were too happy with her at this point. She was getting a lot of heat. 
for thinking she was bigger than the company. Yes. Yeah. Which um, I mean, she wasn't wrong. <laughs> no, I mean she was, because you know, because of all that fame she has now yeah. outside of wrestling. <laughs> well, she's married to Brock Lesnar, so. <laughs> yeah, you're right. She's great. <laughs> um. We see uh, Stone Cold backstage. Big Show tries to encourage Austin to help Vince. Unclear why, because I think Big Show's a babyface. I think like this is where they're kind of teasing the idea of Vince McMahon, the evil owner of WWF, becoming a sympathetic character. I mean, it's his daughter, <laughs> as Big Show points out. <laughs> the man has a family, Maggle. Uh, a really awful backstage interview with Billy Gunn. I don't know what well, was going on there. Seemingly, at least somewhat intentional, though, because they show Road Dog like being like, "What?" <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Faces. Uh, yeah, well, that was odd. Uh, Triple H with China hit the ring. We get our first replay of events from earlier, but it's very brief. Now, the reason I point this out is you can't watch even like. A half an hour of the three-hour marathon that is today's <laughs> Monday Night Raw without getting 17 replays of things that already happened. Yeah, including in-match immediately. <laughs> like they treat you like happens. an idiot if you want to watch all three hours. They Well, if the shoe fits. They almost assume, like, why would anyone ever watch all three hours? Because it's like, we just show 78 replays throughout the course of the night, so you never actually have to watch you know any of it. For any amount of time. Anyway, uh, Billy Gunn hits the ring. His theme music is I'm an Ass Man. Great song. I love to pick him, I think, at one point. I don't know <laughs> if he means, like, you know, with a finger. That might be or... the uh, bumper music. <laughs> uh, kind of a, you know, typical match. Uh, Triple H, though, actually does employ a little... In-ring psychology working the knee. <laughs> the cerebral assassin. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Gunn getting like a decent uh, response from the audience uh, as a good guy. I was wondering if this was maybe the beginning of his quickly aborted push where they tried to go with him as like a single star. If the idea was being planted here, I, I don't think he would think that would come a year or two later yeah it was definitely after like the kind of like dx is like all the way done right i think like you know with things like that though the idea gestates for a while so they were probably already thinking about it um commentary really putting over triple h as a sadistic heel (laughs) really just telling a good story which i can't think of any bad guys in today's wrestling that are like painted to be so despicable you know what i mean well seth rollins did try to kill edge on national television (laughs) that's true but even but the commentary didn't even like pick up on it though that's what i'm talking about yeah that's true well commentary never paints the heels as the as that bad well the day that uh the wrestling world lost jim ross's voice as the play-by-play guy it was a big hit (laughs) (laughs) um all right, so more backstage stuff, this time with the corporation trying to uh, psych up Boss Man and Test. I forgot to mention Triple H went over in the match. I know. Shocking. Shocker. <laughs> uh, Chef Boyardee spot with Mankind that was really <laughs> kind of weird. Um, now we get our first backstage look at X-Pac on his quest that will go on throughout the night to try to find Kane. Kane! <laughs> um. Mankind and Big Show had a boiler room brawl the night before on the Backlash pay-per-view that looked pretty violent. Now they're tag team partners. However, the real dissension amongst the team is between Boss Man and Test. God, they really had like a lot of stupid types of matches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> boiler room brawl. And, like, I don't know when exactly it was, but when they had like the whole hardcore title thing going and you could win the belt anytime. <laughs> well, I think that was going. Yeah. Okay. As we'll find out later. Well, uh, well that was part segment. of it? Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure if that was part of it or not. Um, but yeah, that that stuff. I don't uh, know if it was the 24-hour title thing, but it was part of the story there. I mean, casket matches, 
Our favorite paddle on a pole. (laughs) Yeah, uh, this episode kind of light on the sexuality. Yeah, unless you want to take Undertaker's comment about Stephanie. (laughs) Yeah. um, No, like, was there even, there was no women's match at all. No. No lingerie, no bikini. No. Whatever. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately. So... Big Boss Man and Tess are pissed at each other for some reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Boss Man not interested in tagging in at first. Eventually does. Crowd doesn't seem really that interested in this match until uh, Mankind pulls the sock out of his pants <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. do the Mr. Socko bit. Very over. That gets a big response. Um, big Show never tags in Mankind, but Mankind wins the match. No one seems to care about this. <laughs> uh, after the match, Big Boss Man and Test fight. Crowd doesn't care. <laughs> Test is now seemingly out of the corporation. Yeah. Who cares? More moving pieces. Uh, back to Vince. Uh, he's waiting in a loading dock. Um, then we uh, see Austin wandering around backstage. We go to commercial. Uh, there's a little promo for a terrible Steve Austin shirt that looks just unwearable. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Austin 316, the most iconic wrestling shirt, maybe tied with NWO, although I think the Austin 316 outsold it probably. Hulkamania? No, I mean, Austin 316 sold more than anything ever. Yeah, yeah. And yet... All of those other shirts they tried to do with Austin, most of them were pretty terrible. There were some that were okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't really remember. I mean, most there were a lot of bad ones. Yeah. It was just always like skulls and smoke and snakes. Snakes. Right? Yeah. yeah. A lot of rattlesnake stuff. Xbox still looking for Kane. Then we see <laughs> Bob Holly beating up Al Snow backstage. Yeah, they okay, reference so the hardcore title, yeah. although it doesn't seem like the 24-hour defense is in effect. No. Bob Holly and Al Snow, two guys who, let's be honest, aren't great. Um, they have their fan bases for Glorified jobbers. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Al Snow's wearing the Job Squad shirt, I (laughs) think, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yet, somehow, and this is probably a product of, you know, the top of the card being so over, but somehow guys like this were even over with the crowd enough. Yeah. More so than, like, most of the current day roster. Well, this is something that I just remember from this time. Like, obviously, you know, it's been a long time. Like, memory is, like, a little distorted, but it's like, I feel like I could put on almost any episode of Raw from that time and like Al Snow and Bob Holly would be having a match and Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman would be like, <laughs> um next we have something that I really want to talk about uh it's a vignette for a new wrestler uh who actually is not new it's a wrestler being repackaged um a wrestler that would go by the name of Beaver Cleavage <laughs> A lot of incestuous, it seems like straight out of like Mad TV. Yeah, a lot of incestuous, weird vignettes with uh, Beaver Cleavage and his uh, busty, quote unquote, sensible mother. mother. <laughs> uh, where she, you know, offers him mother's milk at one point in this little skit that lasts only about a minute. I mean, it's so bizarre. Uh, I don't know if you recognized Beaver, but uh, no. He was one half of the illustrious tag team, the Headbangers. Oh, he was okay. Headbanger Mosh. Okay, um, yeah, I was watching some of their matches the other day. <laughs> uh, this was one. This was something that was common in wrestling pretty much ever since I started watching it as a kid, where they would do vignettes for a new wrestler. Uh, they don't really seem to do it that much anymore, thanks new to like NXT. Yeah, New Day. That was repackaged guys that we all recognize, though, Yeah, for the most part. Well, Xavier Woods was kind of newish, but whatever. Um, yeah, New Day's a good example. Um, 
of either when you would bring in someone new or you would repackage someone, you would get these vignettes uh, explaining the character in some way or another. Um, and a lot of times, the best thing about these was they would spend seemingly weeks, sometimes months, leading up to it. And then the character would debut and they would abandon it almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> There was some famous vignettes during this time period. I can't. Re- I think it might have been like ninety eight ish, um, sometime in this Attitude era, where uh, William slash Steve Regal was coming back to WWF, and they wanted to give him a new gimmick, and he his gimmick was uh, uh, the real man's man. Oh, I do. And he remember would be that. doing all yeah, these yeah. ridiculous things like cutting wood and stuff, and they were so <laughs> terrible. And he was like so messed up on drugs, apparently. At oh, the time. really? Yeah, uh. which he talks about, and yeah. So I mean, he he doesn't even really remember it that well, and he said it's it was really terrible, but it was all he deserved because he was like such a mess or whatever. But yeah, I mean, and the, I think he only lasted maybe like a couple of weeks until like I think they had to get rid of him because of the drug stuff. But I mean, just like you know, weeks of building up to it just yeah. to quickly get rid of it. After Beaver, Beaver Cleavage, we go back to The Rock backstage, um, not really saying or doing anything, just kind of <laughs> hanging know, out in the locker room, psyching up. Then we get Jeff Jarrett with uh, Deborah McMichael or McMichaels. I'm not sure. I guess there's uh, an S. Is there? Know. I don't know. Um, they come out to the ring. Puppies signs everywhere. This yeah. was a big thing in WWF was to call <laughs> boobs puppies. <laughs> Which I think started with Jerry the King Lawler, right? Or yeah, and I think it, at first it was in reference to Deborah. Yeah, and then eventually it would like become, yelled, yeah. you know, <laughs> attached to all the women. <laughs> right, and I mean we we touched upon this when we were watching this last night, but I mean, I'm looking at Deborah now, and I, I'm just like, I don't know what I was thinking in 1998, 99. I was just like. I thought she was like the hottest chick in the world. <laughs> I don't. I, I still think she's attractive. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. in a different way, in a way where I'm like thinking, like, wow, she seems older, a lot older. Like I, th- I think even back then yeah. I realized that she was older, but like it didn't matter because like she had big fake boobs and long <laughs> legs. Yeah. But like wore like little tight skirts. <laughs> yeah, but she definitely. She was I don't know how old she is so I don't want to like get too carried away but she seems like she was in her 40s. That could be I haven't, yeah. I that could know. be inaccurate. It could be the makeup that she wear she was wearing uh but she definitely seems older now like looking back like wow she kind of just seems like a hot like older lady. Yeah, like a hot secretary. <laughs> and definitely not like something that you know stone cold would go on to marry (laughs) we don't need to get into that um so then the godfather comes out and shockingly he is the current intercontinental (laughs) champion uh he brings out his hoe train which is super popular it's a bunch of you know mildly attractive strippers that are over or just like you know we've got the the male porn star right we've got the pimp, the pimp with, with his, with his prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he cuts a pre-match promo, which is you know something that's kind of stands out. Not a lot of people do that today, and he might Especially have been the only guy with on the his, show in his position. <laughs> but I mean, it's super popular. The crowd all you know, yeah, knows what he's going to say and chants it along with them. Godfather agrees to put the Intercontinental title on the line if Deborah will become one of his hoes if the Godfather manages to win. Uh, crowd chants, we want puppies. <laughs> this idea of like kind of wrestlers just being able to trade their female valets as if they're, you know, possessions. A recurring theme in wrestling around this time period as I was watching... Uh, you know, WCW in the NWO in uh, when Macho Man rejoins the NWO and they give him back Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, I mean, women were props <laughs> basically in wrestling. Um, this is 
this is uh this match actually is the attitude era summed up in one match because you have women being used as objects, crowd being overly aggressive sexually, <laughs> uh the godfather being a champion and being super popular. Val Venus coming out to harass Deborah, then Nicole Bass coming oh, yeah. out to harass I forgot that gets Val. Back involved, yeah. uh, and then a roll up win. Godfather goes over. Then Deborah seems okay with joining in with the uh, Ho train. Yeah. Uh, that also is kind of attitude era summed up. <laughs> uh, women just complacent in their, you know, sexualized, subservient roles. And then Owen Hart comes out. Uh, seemingly from the crowd, I guess, in street clothes to prevent Deborah from hoeing it up. Yeah, I I, I t- said it last night. I remember him doing like a little yeah gimmick where it's like wasn't there a thing where it was like she was gonna actually like get nude or something, and he like came and covered her up real quick or yeah, something? like this is a weird time period. Um, the very next pay per view is over the edge ninety nine where Owen Hart falls from the rafters and dies (laughs) so we're in a kind of that weird period where if you're watching the you know the raws from this time and he's on it like you can't help but think about that um the reason that i bring that up they wanted to do a gimmick where or a storyline where he becomes romantically involved with deborah and it leads to a split between him and jeff jarrett uh, Owen didn't want to do that. Um, he wanted to do the blue meanie, <laughs> the blue meanie. <laughs> or whatever the blue it was. blazer. Yeah, the blue blazer. Well, no. Um, he was a family man. He didn't really want um, his kids to see that on TV, and yeah. so he. Meanwhile, Vince has no problem making out with every. <laughs> And p- even, you know, pitching to make out with his own daughter at one point, <laughs> um, which she thankfully turned down. Uh, but anyway, so Owen turns it down. Um, so Creative comes back with, why don't you resurrect the Blue Blazer, a character you were, you know, 10 years earlier? And, you know, he kind of agrees to do that. Um his gimmick is kind of like the WWF is getting, you know, too out of control, too sexual, too violent. He's going to kind of do like the Hulk Hogan of the eighties kind of spiel about vitamins and prayers and everything. This leads to them wanting him to do these ridiculous entrances to the ring where he would come down from the ceiling, kind of like sting and WCW, except a lot of times they would do things where like, the cord wouldn't be long enough and he would fall like the last few feet and it would be a like a goof. Oh. Yeah. Um this of course would lead to the incident where he was going to have a match against the Godfather and you know, come down from the ceiling, something went wrong, and he fell and died. And then you know, the stories that come out later is that he did, wasn't really comfortable with doing it. And the only reason he agreed to do it, cause he had just turned down the other thing and he didn't want to be difficult. You know, who knows? I mean, some people obviously might be, you know, suggesting too much. there, saying like how much he didn't want to do it. I don't know who knows, but that kind of hangs over your head as you're watching this and he's on the show. And then they even do at one point, I think they even do a promo for over the edge in Kemper arena in Kansas city, the whole thing. You're just like, Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a bummer, <laughs> but yeah. All right. <laughs> we were able to recover and get back into <laughs> enjoying. So Vince still waiting backstage. Then we get a, Another kind of vignette with um, PMS, Pretty Mean Sisters, <laughs> which was uh, Terry Runnels and Jacqueline. And they were with a guy that I believe uh, his gimmick, his name would I be Meat. Him. I could be wrong. Yeah. yeah they I, didn't really say. I think it was Sean, <coughs> Sean Stasiak. 
but I think he would be known as Meat. I could be way off on that. I, I didn't. Know. I didn't even bother to research it because who cares? Yeah, I could, yeah they were okay. just like that segment. I was just like, checking he was out. shirtless, and the women were rubbing on him. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was kind of gross. So then we get Bradshaw versus Ken Shamrock. Um, Farouk attacks Shamrock before he can get to the ring. The acolytes, which are Farouk and Bradshaw, beat down Shamrock. Now Testa appears. No match happens. Test and Shamrock fight off the acolytes. Yeah, now. I think this ends up going like Test Shamrock. I think Big Show and like one other person form like a little stable for a while, which, Ugh. yeah, it, it, it's the whatever it is. I, I it's like four people. I think they carry two by fours. <laughs> I know uh, what you're talking about, Test, but I don't know if that's I don't know if that's this. Oh, okay, I was thinking it was because I think it leads up to the point where Test gets married to Stephanie McMahon. I think he was. Yeah, that does happen eventually, but I don't know if that's where this begins you could be right but i don't know yeah, I don't know. All right. um the corporation seems to be collapsing as shamrock the rock and test are now are are now all out yeah and i mean kane was in it not that long ago too <laughs> um then we get a a promo for a special on network television called wwf smackdown yeah which would later go on to be an actual show. Um, Shane comes down to the ring wearing a Croc, the Croc jersey, which is, you know, the Rock's thing with the Croc written over it. <laughs> um, we get an earlier tonight replay for the second time of Shane choking the Rock during that opening segment. And now we have Shane versus the Rock, which... <laughs> Is funny because they make the match super quick and the rock is just dominating them. But later on As you would think Shane yeah. goes on to have actual real full length matches with people that yeah. are actually pretty good. But at this point I think Shane is still pretty new to in running action. Pretty green. Um It doesn't take long for the Mean Street Posse to hit the ring. Rock, rock bottoms, both of them. <laughs> Ref doesn't really call for the DQ. The bell never rings at any point <laughs> to end this match because then uh, Triple H jumps in. Uh, China jumps in. Eventually, you know, Triple H pedigrees the rock. I just was left wondering, is the match over? It never seemed to end. The referees <laughs> are trying to, like, stop the beatdown on the rock. But the corporation leave standing tall there. Um, back to Vince in the loading dock, pacing around. Finally seems to be giving up. Um, but now we get to see the ministry. For some reason, nobody's seen Stephanie McMahon since she was kidnapped. Nobody knows where she is or where the Undertaker is. Yet there's a camera conveniently backstage. <laughs> Uh, seeing uh, the ministry holding Stephanie hostage. She's screaming and crying. It's all pretty... Horrific. Yeah, I mean, it's all kind of... Uh, it does. It's not as cheesy as it sounds. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, we see Undertaker, Viscera, Midian, Acolytes, Paul Bearer. Um, they're heading somewhere together we don't know where it seems like they're headed to the ring but no because uh we get another backlash encore promo and then xbox music hits for some reason yeah <laughs> coming back out he heads out to the ring with a microphone um good lord what can you say about that <laughs> uh calls kane out for some reason owen hart and jeff jarrett come out attack X-Pac. The reasons are kind of unclear, although the commentary, I think, does a good job of explaining X-Pac and Kane are the tag team champions. Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett are the former champions, and they want their titles back. Jeez. It seems like there doesn't <laughs> need to be much justification for an attack in those days. Just run-ins constantly happening. <laughs> I mean... 
it is like insane. It's like the characters changing, people getting involved. Like it's nonstop. <laughs> right. They, they they never have like just regular matches where there's no. <laughs> so Kane comes down to make the save, and then um, for some reason, choke slams X Pac again, and then carries X Pac away. The crowd at this point, I think, is a little worn out. Um, they don't really seem to care that much. Shockingly. <laughs> um, at this point, though, we're headed like right into it. Uh, the lights go out. The ominous Ministry of Darkness Undertaker music hits. And uh, Stephanie's carried out on an Undertaker <laughs> symbol that's yeah. kind of like a cross. She's strapped to it, wearing like a black <laughs> dress. Um, one thing that struck me as they make their way to the ring, kind of a lame crew. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of jobbers hanging out yeah. with the undertaker, big fat viscera, viscera. Midian, who used to be Phineas. He I got part of, uh, I think, uh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking he was one of the guys from Southern justice. So. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. he probably was, but before that, yeah. Uh, hog farmer, <laughs> um, This is a pre-boob job, Stephanie. Yeah. But she still looks really good. (laughs) Um, The implication being, you know, it's a surprise that she looks good pre-boob job. No, no. I actually prefer pre-boob job, Stephanie. Um, JR and Jim Ross start. What's that? And pre-boob job, Nikki Bella. Uh, Jim Ross starts planting the seeds with saying things like... uh, Anybody with the courage to come out here to stop this and stuff like that. <laughs> kind of like building it up. Yeah. Um, even though, like, you know, at this point, it's kind of unclear what's even happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are they sacrificing her? <laughs> I mean. It does have that look, yeah. Uh, they put the cross in the ring. and, and I'm just going to call it a cross. It's not really. Yeah, yeah. It's more of like a spike with, like, two other i don't know it's an undertaker symbol which the wrestler so whatever (laughs) not an undertaker symbol because i don't think there is one universally but um (laughs) they put it in the ring and they like lay it on the top rope so that she's kind of like laying on this symbol uh paul bear is on one side with this giant ridiculous book of witchcraft and sorcery (laughs) or something um Stephanie, great actress. Yeah. Just making great screaming. faces. Just screaming and like No. Very like convincing. Yeah. Um especially like for her age and relative lack of experience in the business. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a pretty think, unsettling like, scene. If they just like kind of pulled a random actress, like not anyone you know, well known, just like a local actress and local her into actress. this role. A local actress in Hartford, Connecticut. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah, okay. Just a small time actress to put into this role of Stephanie McMahon. Tiffany Amber Thiessen. <laughs> I just don't know if they would like be able to pull this off because I think like the absurdity of it would get to them. Yeah. And they would not know how to like, play it. What why am I on this? No, I mean they Undertaker they would do symbol? It, but, like they wouldn't like they wouldn't know how to play it in a way that seemed yeah right. Um, I noticed a laser pointer on Paul Bear's face during a lot of this segment. Just no respect not from cool. that 90s, yeah. late 90s audience. <laughs> um, he goes on to speak into the microphone about the unholy wedlock with the Lord of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's... Definitely uh, some indications that <laughs> there's going to be some, uh, what's it called when you uh, seal the marriage with a... <laughs> um, consummate? Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna, they have to consummate the marriage. Right there in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> um, Edge and Lita. So they kind of go through with this wedding ceremony. Uh, Stephanie screaming no the whole time. Uh, the first person out to try to help is Ken Shamrock. He literally gets squashed by Viscera. <laughs> um, the corporation is then shown backstage. And Shane, despite being Stephanie's brother, seems to 
stop them from helping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, we'll go out there Hold if it gets Wait, really bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not sure how it could get any worse. Yeah. Uh, Big Show is next. Uh, he has some success. They keep him looking strong by beating down most of the people. And it takes The Undertaker using the bat that Shamrock had brought down and hitting Big Show to get him out of it. Yeah. Um. Right as the ceremony is about to conclude, or it is pretty much over, where Paul Bear's like, you can kiss your bride, the glass shatters, and Stone Cold emerges to a roar from the crowd, who <laughs> yeah. has just been anticipating this. Everyone knows where this is headed. Oh, yeah. And it's still amazing. <laughs> yeah. Jim Ross just yelling out, Stone Cold! Uh, Jim Cornette. Stone. He's not doing it for Vince McMahon. He's doing it because it's what's right. And then J- I noticed JR repeats that same line. Pretty much. Uh, stone Cold Stunners and Chair Shots to <laughs> oh, a yeah. lot of the lesser members it of the like ministry. It is like brutal going back and watch. I mean, obviously, like they had some crazy matches during this time period. But even just watching the chair shots is kind of, you know, with all the concussion stuff and you know yeah, i mean a lot of people, certain wrestlers murdering their families but <laughs> a lot of people who don't know very much about wrestling and just know that it's you know scripted yeah they think it's fake and so they think that means everything in it is predetermined fake. but a lot of the you know the 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 physical stuff that they do is pretty real um and there's really no way to fake a chair shot to the head no um it is a real metal chair for anyone thinking that it isn't. Um, are the people swinging it, swinging it as hard as they can? No, but they're still taking it to the head. Sometimes, you know, a lot. And, yeah. you know, in modern WWE, that's banned. They don't do it. Right. Which sometimes makes it look ridiculous when they're using chairs. But <laughs> Yeah, because it doesn't really make sense. But, yeah, I mean, they just don't do it but anymore. Yeah. And... There's just been too many concussion problems. Um, the ministry scatters. The Undertaker retreats. Uh, St- Stone Cold unties Stephanie. Stephanie hugs Steve. Vince runs in with a happy reunion, hugging Stephanie. You can see Vince thanking Stone Cold. It's like a very... Warm moment. Yeah. Warm moment. Stone Cold kind of doesn't know what to do. He's playing it pretty well, you know, living up to what Cornette and Ross were saying about not doing it for Vince, but doing it because it was the right thing. Um, You know, Stone Cold would often be feuding with The Undertaker during these years, off and on, pretty much nonstop. So they're always at odds. Um, So, and then the episode ends. And, uh, you know, we're left to wonder what happens next. You know, in 99, you're just thinking like, man, I can't wait to watch next week. Another satisfying episode of Monday Night Raw. With the best part being, you know, the eventual payoff to this ministry storyline. <laughs> and you find out the higher power that they're answering to who was pulling all the strings all along. Vince McMahon. Yes. <laughs> so... He set up having his daughter kidnapped to yes. somehow do it at Steve Austin. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's like one of those LOL because wrestling moments where yeah. you're just kind of like, well, in the world of wrestling, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in any other way, shape, or form, but, you know. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Wanna go ahead and just put a stamp on this episode? Are we ever gonna do this again? I don't know. Probably not. If you hated this episode, then you know, whatever. We'll get back to the normal format next. <laughs> <laughs> this was more of just like unlike where we kinda do a broad overview of like a movie or a TV show, this was more of a moment by moment breakdown of an episode of Monday Night Raw because I mean it'd be harder to do an overview I think there's just so much content yeah I mean so many things happen and like you know 
it's interesting to see some of the, the just the way the show is structured, which is different from like you know 2015 Monday Night Raw. So many backstage segments. Yeah, and just you know, good characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little disappointing though that we didn't get like a paddle on the pole match. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, like I don't, I guess like Trish was not was Trish not around yet? Maybe not. I don't know. No Lita yet. Um, kind of like that weird void where they they were kind of losing Sable, but like they hadn't brought in like the new crop of hot chicks yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was kind of like an interesting time. They really had to rely on like Deborah and uh, some of the lesser known women. Yeah. Um. All right, so that'll do it for this episode of the greatest moments in the history of forever. And uh, we have yet to even discuss a sign-off. You'd think that we were, like, really busy people. We'll see you at the theater. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we'll see you next time.